be a saint, right? That's that's what converts people and that's what that's what helps. Easier said than done, I know, trust me. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knees Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined, as always, by Dave, the conversationalist of Amphicle. The conversationalist. I'm struggling so bad. I'm scanning our notes for the show, trying to find a word. I got nothing. That would work. The conversationalist. I'll take it. I mean, I'm not good at conversation. I'm wearing, I, I, somebody sent me a t-shirt, Gomer, uh-huh. a new t-shirt. Yeah. You know, I love t-shirts. You I, love I'm t-shirts. We- I'm wearing it right now. And it, on the back, it says, not all that likable. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Wow. Wow. How fitting. How fitting a t-shirt. Yeah. Literally, it's fitting you very nicely. Um, cool. So have you, Weird. I don't know, done anything, been anywhere lately? Anything new in your life? I just got back from retreat, which is a miracle that I got to go. And it is. I was, cool. I was there for four days and. It was awesome. It was like uh, I feel very refreshed and free, and I feel that I can accept the liberty to live as God's as God's child. So wow, wow, that's intense. I definitely reject Satan so as to live in the freedom of God's children. That's what I'll say. That's how I feel right now. Nice. I went to a pool party on the fourth. (laughs) I feel that kind of liberty, like Independence Day. You know, America. Yeah, nice, nice. When this airs. When this episode airs, I'll be at the Bosco conference. Oh, hopefully, hopefully meeting a lot of our Franciscan, the yeah, hope, itself. Yeah, hopefully meeting a lot of our listeners and things like that. So that'll be good. Very cool. When this airs, I will be at work, uh, chained to a desk, uh, questioning <laughs> my sanity and drinking about a gallon of coffee. That's what I'll be doing. I'm really looking I forward don't, to don't, it. Don't don't. First of all, don't, please don't <laughs> feel bad for him when he talks like this. His yeah, best don't. friend. From uh, before college, right? No, no, no. College is when I'm college. Freshman year, college. All right, is now the a priest at his parish, and so bizarre, so bizarre. And we share a wall, right? So his office is right next to my office, and it's really scary because sometimes I walk in and I just think "Ah, I'm not going to get a lot of work done today, but I'll be spiritually uh, uplifted. Yeah, parochial vicar, Father David Hust, who has been he's had questions on the show. He's a part of the the um whatever we, got, we, did, we have the, to have him on the seminar yeah i've talked about it he said he's down if you if, yeah. if we could set him up um father dave literally makes his parish council at his old church listen to our episodes he has like 10 episodes that he makes his parish council listen to so uh that's funny because i don't even do that for my own parish council <laughs> so oh prophet's not without honor except in his own home it's fine it's fine it's fine everything's nice <laughs> oh, uh, but no baby. it's been awesome he's been here for uh, actually one week today we're recording this on thursday july 8th uh and he came in on july 1st we had a potluck um we hired two new youth ministers we had their first uh potluck there um with everyone and uh it was like with it was the a blast. employees is that what you're saying yeah, yeah 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 we all brought in food and, um, and did families come to this no, 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 no. We just so we do a once a month uh, all staff meeting, and we h- half of it is work, and the other half is like fun stuff. So like birthdays, my celebration gosh. of like how long you've worked there. This is what? it's literally my heart rate is rising thinking about what? how I would be trapped into going to these events and having. Oh to, yeah, and you would love it. And you would love to it. Talk. 
Yeah. So, um, but you know, yeah, it's just it's just good hearted. Like, hey, we want everyone to know. It's like, what's the stuff that you complained about when you worked for a parish that you didn't know about? Like, how come no one told me this was happening? You know? Yeah. That's what those meetings are for, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, make sure everyone's on the same page, um, and just to have fun. And we do our acknowledgments. So we have our you know our motto: belong here, believe in Jesus, and bless others. Uh, so we give a belong, believe, bless awards to different people who model that behavior. Yeah, How, yeah. who, oh, who yeah. comes up with them? Who comes up with the awards? We have a secret group of people who <laughs> who like, and it's cool because after a while, employees will be on the lookout. Like, wow, you really went out of your way to belong, to help, believe, and no, bless? to help someone oh. like feel like connected. So they'll share that with someone, and then someone on the secret committee will be like. Uh, I used to be on the committee. I'm not anymore. But they'll be like, aha, aha, that sounds like a belong award, helping people belong. <laughs> this so, is awesome. Do you it win is anything? Awesome. Do you win anything? Uh, you get a, a piece of paper with a funny thing printed on it. Okay. And you can hang it up. Uh, right. um, but then they come up with funny awards. And oh. it, it's like, but it actually, it's funny because the funny awards, like they have a, like a funny title to them, but they, it's like a recognition. Like I see what you did. I want, I like it. I love it. I want more of it. Like, um, yeah. we gave one to our CPA and we call their money bags McGee or something like that because I'm, I mean, the, the amount of loose ends that she had to tie up because of the PPP loan and yeah, all right, of these right. different budgets. I mean, she does a heroic effort and the, the team, all the bookkeepers and the people that work with her, but she's the final end of the day numbers cruncher and, and Deborah just crushed it. So it's cool to get a, like if you're a CPA who spends most of your life, most of your office work behind a door with an Excel spreadsheet, you're not doing ministry. Like people thank me all the time. Oh, that's right, a great talk. Right, right. Thank you for listening to me coming to your office. People don't do that for the operation side of staff. So sure. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. I, I think this is really cool. I mean, I'd prefer to store it my treasure in heaven. Uh, to get that paper <laughs> from Jesus, but it's cool, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, long award, you know. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Service. Enter into your master's rest. Also, I got this sixth certificate for you. It's called <laughs> uh, the the Devil's Bully Award for bullying the devil six hundred and eighty five times. <laughs> um, for me, well, thank you. Hey, but this is funny because we got a question. We got listener questions. They wrote in. Good people, email us at EKSB at EcentralPress.com, EKSB at EcentralPress.com, and we can answer your questions. And this first question that we're going to talk comes from our buddy Ray, and he's writing an HR question. So I think that kind of dovetails nicely with, with my <laughs> staff meetings. What do you think about that segue? Yeah, that worked. That worked. Ugh. I okay. know Ray. Ray's a good guy. Uh, I don't know Ray, but I'm assuming he's a good guy. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so Ray says, I consider myself somewhat of a functional expert, uh, and he has a lot of credentials stuff that he kind of threw in, international credentials in the business world. As dedicated evangelists, and then he says this in all capitals, how the heck are you the ones to be having these conversations, meaning the two episodes that we did on hiring and uh, kind of imparting the vision job training? Is it wrong for me to assume that parishes do not have somebody dedicated to aligning parish vision and personnel strategy if not that is a major problem holding back the church hr is almost always incorporated into the executive level staff in industry because it is critical to alignment and driving success in the church if hr people are simply office admins and you are solely relying on the pastor 
or select others who communicate and drive strategy. We're at least 50 years behind the curve. Worse yet, in a place like here in, he mentions a city where he's from, where parishes are being drastically slashed and consolidated. I would love to know who's assisting the bishop in carrying out these decisions. That's a, and I included that, that last bit kind of is like a bifurcation, but I included that because many, many dioceses are going through consolidations and, and, um, parish closure and they're wondering like how does this connect to an overall mission and vision of a diocese right and or is it just administrata right that stuff that comes across a desk it's paperwork it has to be done pull the trigger so i figured we would uh start with ray's question and kind of go through this so dave it, yeah, so how, it's a good it's a good question Let, let's like you know like restate a little bit so what he's saying is like it's crazy that people like us directors of evangelization would be this integral in the hiring process you know that yeah. there wouldn't be someone who that's like their specialty in their job and and i would say for the most part pastors rely on business managers and oftentimes that is not the way to go it is oftentimes problematic as far as hiring mission fits mission and vision fits which you kind of alluded to but i yeah we are in that position and in some places it's a necessity you know a yeah. lot of places don't even have business managers. they have bookkeepers who are part-time and you know, that's yeah. just, it's the way it is. If it's not I, on us, it's on the pastor. Yeah. I, so I have two kind of HR insights for this. One comes from former uh, GE CEO, Neutron Jack, who says, uh, you know, the most important hire after the executive officer is the HR officer, because what does it matter if you have a brilliant design, if you don't have good people behind you, you can't build a good company and HR is the most important because they're the ones who will hire and fire. And I thought that was brilliant. The other thing I heard was from Jim Collins, where he wrote the book Good to Great. It's an excellent book. He had a follow follow up uh, chapter called Good to Great for the Social Sector or the you know public sector, we, we, nonprofit, government, nonprofit, church, all that stuff. And where he was taking the lessons and applying it. And one of the things he said was, it is often easier for people to get connected to a parish because or to a um, nonprofit because they are so centered on mission. Whereas for many corporations, people feel like, well, the mission is just to make money. So it becomes harder to be a mission-centered company. Like you think of something like Apple, Apple Computer, which is very mission-driven. I mean, they say things like, we're more proud of the things we say no than the things we say yes to because they realize that mission is the most important. It drives their company culture. So right. if they lose that, they lose what they are. They're just another computer technology company. So that stuff is very important. So I'll say this. The reason why most churches don't have HR driving the vision and mission and personnel strategy is because most churches don't have a real HR type person that's right. usually at the diocesan level, and they're mostly in charge of compliance, not necessarily hiring mission-driven people. And then the other thing is, for many parishes, the type of work draws people for the most part, who have there who are there for the right reasons. Like, I love my church, I'm good at this, right? Let, you know, I'll work part-time and do this. The problem is there's not a lot of money to hire full-time people who have spent their life honing skills professionally to execute at that level, like there is at a corporation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it is an issue. There's no question. In a lot of dioceses, the the actual diocesan office will screen candidates, will send candidates to you if you want them. It kind of depends what the pastor wants. Does he want to go through the diocese? Does he not? Um, and and again, yeah, for the most part, what I've seen from HR professionals is uh, 
uh, safe environment compliance and checks and balances, things like that. So yeah, and and it's not to say that some of them are not mission driven because I think that you would no, you're right. In a very well run diocese where the bishop is the father and he's the father first of his priests and second of his staff at the chancery, and that reverberates down, which I think is very very rare. You will find staffs at the chancery who are like, yes, I want to get the best people. You know, I'm the person who the church spends a lot of money on because I can end up getting you the best people. That's the yeah. kind of the rationale behind it. But that does not exist in most places. It's I daughters and T crossers. Um, even if they don't want to be, oftentimes the culture of a chancery or, a you know, the downtown office maybe force you into that mold. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so I was talking with one priest who said, uh, the office of the new evangelization should change its name to the office of the no evangelization here at my thing. And it's because it's like, it's just how things were done for years and no one's going to change it. And he's like, then why did we add the word new? Like, <laughs> like we're trying to do something new here. So yeah, Ray, for those on the outside looking from the corporate world, there's a lot of stuff working in our favor, but also a lot of stuff kind of working against us. Yeah. I mean, he made that comment about being 50 years behind and I would say, yep, easily. No question in my mind, 50 years no. to at least, you know, so. Yeah, and I think people don't realize company culture matters, and that matters for a parish. It matters for a nonprofit, a, an ecclesial movement, a personal prelature, <laughs> what have you, <laughs> right? I, it, it, it works for those, right? I, I know for a fact that in a lot of uh, of hiring processes of DREs in particular, which is probably the most common position that, is pertinent to our show. Okay. Yeah. The very first thing that comes to mind from, from a pastor is, are they organized enough to be able to run this program? And yeah. that is such a low bar, <laughs> you know, I mean that, that really is such a low bar. So you're right. There's a lot of things we got to do to expand, uh, HR in the church. And, uh, it's, it's not just who's doing the hiring or who's doing the questioning. I mean, we got to start with trying to hire the best for God's people. You know, in that good to great for the social sectors, he starts off by saying what the nonprofit world doesn't need is the principles of the for-profit world being pumped into the nonprofit world. Yeah. And he said that to a bunch of business executives and they all went nuts and they like rebelled against them. They're like, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, they don't need that because they're not a for-profit business, right? So the metrics by which you measure should not be measured to them. But at the same time, we all know that many businesses suffer from the same things that apply to social sectors, which is bad employees or good employees in the wrong position. And I have seen many Catholic laymen and women forced out of the parish out of misery and frustration, not because everyone didn't have the, not because people had bad intentions, but because people were in the wrong seats. Yeah. Right. And you had jobs that, oh, you're a faithful Catholic and you're a, a stay at home mom. Why don't you run this part time? And it's like, well, I'm not an organizational person, even though I love the Lord. This job itself is frustrating for me. And then it just decays from there. So, yeah, you know, it's almost every time uh, a priest asks if I can help hire someone or when I encounter an employee who clearly is in the wrong position. I have this temptation, this thought, Gomer, do you ever have this where it's like, maybe I should just start a firm or that's what I do is just hire. I just like try to contract out and hire good Catholic employees. Wouldn't that be awesome? 
no, that would not. That sounds like death to me, right? Can I give talks to those Catholic employees? Can I? Well, do that, that would be cool. That would be part of it, like that you could like even say like, well, you know, for this package, we the first three months they're going to get coaching and stuff like that'd be awesome. That okay, that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm struggling as we transition to the next question. I am struggling, Dave, right now with onboarding my new youth ministers because I'm like I don't have enough time to sit down for three hours yeah. with you. So Let's see if you had Van Vickle Co. doing I it know. for you. You you could have done it. I could have outsourced discipleship yeah. to you. That's what we need to do. <laughs> That's work for parenthood. Why not for the church? No. <laughs> so, Dave, let me ask you that second question. You work more with dioceses than I do. Um, he talks about um, parishes being drastically slashed and consolidated. Um, how, in your experience, would you say, not decisions like this, but how do the bishops come to these decisions? Because you do a lot of stuff nationally, more, way more than I do. Well, I don't know if that's true. Way more. But um, yeah, so bishops have an inner circle that are recommending things. And um, I, think, I think what people don't realize is that so much of this was done so late that they are on a position, uh, they are in a position of how do we survive the next six months? So there are there like you're mm. thinking that it's a much bigger conversation than it really is. It's literally in a lot of places that I've been involved with. Well, look, we're insolvent if we don't do something in the next month. So yeah. it's like what is absolutely necessary to keep our doors open. I wish it was more what Ray was talking about, which is what's the overarching vision for this. And I think usually like a pastoral letter is drafted to talk about like, what are we going to do over the next, you know, 10 years or something like that. I know that in our diocese, that was the case. And it was very clear that he wanted to, um, you know, put at the forefront evangelization, our Bishop. But again, you know, they're, they have a team, you know, uh, and they make decisions together corporately about what actually needs to happen. And I think a lot of times that's where it goes South because, you have people who have been in this bureaucracy in the you know the inner circle for so long making decisions in a totally brand new situation so it it can go wrong quick there uh it, that's usually where discussions with me break down where i have to start saying like well do you guys realize this is a a wildly different church and a wildly different culture than when you were ordained and you're making decisions based on that instead of what's happening right now you know yeah yeah so i mean in my limited experience i remember a priest was forced to shut down two churches and keep the third one open he was in charge of all three and he just prayed and prayed he's like god i don't know what to do these other churches are 100 plus years old you know great 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 grandma's buried here all everyone's so mad people are threatening lawsuits and then one day he celebrated mass and the he walked outside afterwards to talk with the parishioners and the whole roof caved in and collapsed and the church collapsed and no one got hurt thank god but wow. one, after it happened and they were like they barely made it out a parishioner turned to the pastor and said well i guess that answers that question we're going to close this one down and they yeah. got permission to to move the graves and reset up a catholic cemetery in perpetuity with the funds and all that stuff and they and they shut it down and i think they were able to preserve some of the artwork and statuaries and stuff like that but yeah, everything else went the way of the dodo. I mean, that's um, that's that's an that's an industry now. People, yeah. you know, I mean that there are companies that literally specialize in coming in and making sure that these buildings are you know stripped of the sacred objects and 
uh, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a thing, you know, and it's, it's sad. It's, it's hard and I feel bad and I have yet to see a lot of good decisions made with regard to this. Now, maybe 10 years from now, I'll realize I was wrong and that there was some wisdom there, but I've yet to see in almost any diocese, a lot of really great decisions made with regards to this stuff. So it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, next question. Mary asked, since moving to Colorado, I've reconnected with a Protestant acquaintance who's involved in a non-denom Bible study. Uh, my question is going forward. How can I evangelize in the midst of a non-denominational study, especially as far as I know, she's being the only Catholic there. Are there times when I should actively mention the Catholic interpretation of scripture or is it that, or is that disrespectful or imposing? Would it be good to maybe just mention that there's a specific Catholic interpretation of something and invite anyone who is interested to talk with me one-on-one about it at a different time. So as not to derail the non-denom nature of the study, any advice you have on navigating this would be great. I am really enjoying the podcast. Thanks, Mary. Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, so um, totally understand. You just said, yeah, thanks, Mary, like you were the host of like a smooth jazz session on the radio. Of, am I not? Uh, like, am I not like, live right now? Am I not it, live to 100,000 people right now? <laughs> Ooh, that's right, Mary. And you next have up. And we're back. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Um, please continue. In, in my, in growing up, we had this place called, uh, it was a radio station <laughs> that did smooth jazz, adult contemporary smooth jazz. And they would go, this is Tulsa after dark. And I was, oh, you would always hear that and be like, oh, I'm smooth and Joe class, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You just reminded me of that. You triggered awesome. me. You triggered me. All Anywho, right, that's Mary. Okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, Mary, sorry for Gomer's little tirade there. Um, what I would say is, first of all, perfectly understandable what you're saying. That's a per- totally perfectly understandable thing to say. And I would ask you, uh, if you were here live with us, I would ask you a question. Does it seem like there's an openness. Do they want you to kind of share your perspective? Or was this Bible study meant, were you invited specifically for the purpose of converting you <laughs> and saving your immortal soul from a pagan church? Because uh, if that's the case, uh, then I would be a little bit more careful about what I share because they'll, they'll be ready to pounce. But if you think that there's an openness there, then the way I would share it is, well, you know, I really don't want to offend anyone or be or be argumentative. That's not what this is about. But as Catholics, we're taught this about this scripture, you know, and and just kind of put it out there. I wouldn't have any problem saying that. What about you, Gomer? Uh, I would do it a little bit differently. OK, yeah, this, is, this is how I would do it. Boom, okay, so, so let's say you're doing a set Bible study, right? Like a program Bible study. Like mm-hmm. you're sitting there, you have guides and you're reading. Um, I would, okay, this is just me. This is not you. This is a way, not the way I would read the heck out of that paper weeks in advance and prepare myself to know every little thing, be the most prepared because if there is something, and she had mentioned earlier in her email at a previous Bible study in a previous state, uh, where she's moving from that sometimes things would come up that would make her uncomfortable. And I would just say, be prepared in, if, uh, the next session, is going to go that way to have a Catholic vision. And this is where I would most differ with David is I would not say the Catholic church interprets it. Thus, I would just say what this verse says to me is, or whatever, because so many people think you're being spoon fed doctor, biblical interpretation from the Catholic development of dogma. (laughs) Yeah. But you sit there in it. When people, the reason why I say you should know it backwards and forwards beforehand is because when you present the Catholic thing, even if you don't explicitly say this is a Catholic thing, 
they're and if it jives against what they're saying, they're going to want additional information, right? You it, the most condescending thing you can do is not engage people on the very thing that they love to engage in, right? Because you think, well, this is my beliefs and they're so much better than yours. Oh, well, be like, no, okay. Like, I don't think this is, uh, you know, I think God really did give humans authority, the apostles, and they pass it on. Now, let me tell you why. Like, this is why I think it's important. This is why, and show and wrestle with the scriptures with them. I think nothing will make a, a non-denom or a Baptist happier than you showing from scripture the doctrines that you believe. And you don't have to beat them over the head with it. No, everyone, I think everyone would say don't beat anyone over the head with it. You could also go the Teresa Gormley route, which my mom has always hosted Bible, non-denominational Bible studies, interdenominational Bible studies, and everyone knows her as the token Catholic. And she embraces that label to the point where the women there will go. And when the Catholic church says, what, Teresa? And she'll be like, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and she'll start quoting the catechism and stuff like that. So it is, it is good. You don't want to hide it. You're not imposing because then you would say, well, the non-denom model is imposing itself on you. And yeah. then you will find you're being colonized. Right? So don't do that. Like you're all sharing your perspectives. Your perspective is a Catholic one. That's great. As they're um, burning you at the stake, I, I'll <laughs> pray for you, Mary, yeah. after you take Gomer's advice. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think that's good advice. I really do. I think the the biggest thing is I know in a lot of cases, sometimes these Bible studies, that the goal is invite your Catholic friends and we're going to try to evangelize yeah. them. So I kind of want to just do a, a Let's do a six-week study on Romans. You right. know, They'll pull that stuff and you're like, great, this is a Catholic book. I love this book. Right. That's why we're called the Roman Catholic Church up top. Yeah, yeah. yeah re recently, not recently, a couple of years ago, that I was involved with an organization that they were talking about um, being part of this event at a gigantic protestant church uh that I'm not, i don't want to name the name because it's like it's it, they're a good church you know they're a good christian church but they were talking about like taking part in this and how great it is and like i know for a fact that this church has classes regular classes for their parishioners on how to convert catholics and a big part of it is inviting them to their events and figuring out exactly you know how to do it and everything like that so uh you know i it's it's with these things like you, we got to I, I love what, what I like about what Comer said is prepare like crazy. Get know everything about it because, you know, you don't want to go in there vulnerable at all. For sure. There's no question. Vulnerable with your heart. Yes, but not with your intellect. Your intellect must be a sharpened sword ready to cut everyone to be just kidding. Just kidding. oh, my gosh. Go. I, I know. As always, Mary, be, be a saint. Right. That's that's what converts people. And that's what. That's what helps, you know, be a saint and uh, easier said than done. I know. Trust me. But yeah. Uh, yeah. The cool testimony is Catholics who know their Bible, right? That's the yeah. testimony, right? right? That's the wordless witness uh, that, that you offer is like, like my cousin who's not Catholic um, and he's a preacher's kid, right? Uh, we had uh, some P.F. Changs one day and it's the first time I've ever sat down and had lunch with him. I, I didn't know him beforehand. And we're talking, and I'm going on and on. And he, he just looks at me and he goes, I've never heard a Catholic talk like this in my life. And I was like, well, you don't know Pope John Paul II. And, that, and so I you know, gave him some stuff to read. But the, that's the thing is like they need to see that you can flip through your Bible and be like, you know, in John chapter 3, it says blah, blah, blah. So anywho, right before uh, we kick it out to this third question, we're going to go to a quick commercial break from our good uh, friends here at Ascension who sponsor this podcast. Love them. 
Uh, and I want to encourage you, you too can have your questions answered at every knees shall bow at ascensionpress.com. Email us today. Someone said, I haven't donated. I feel bad. And I said, we don't have a place for you to donate. How you donate is your attention by giving us five stars on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever other place you use. So we'll be right back. Imagine this, you're walking down the street and a Christian at a table with a bunch of pamphlets ask you, have you been saved? What would you do? Would you know how to respond? Hi, I'm Dr. Andrew Swafford and I'm co-presenter along with Jeff Cavins in Ascension's new great adventure Bible study, Romans, the Gospel of Salvation. In this study, we teach you the biblical foundations for the Catholic teaching on salvation, how to explain salvation quickly and easily to non-Christians, what St. Paul really meant by works not leading to salvation, and how we can enter more deeply into Christ. Paul's letter to the Romans has been at the center of reflection, conversion, and controversy from the very beginning, and it's widely considered his greatest work. I invite you to start a small group in your home or parish and embark on this great adventure. To order, visit ascensionpress.com. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back for uh, another smooth jazz session. There used to be a there used to be a a, a, a Saturday Night Live skit of yep. a guy who had a radio, and he would always go, "And we're back." It's so funny you say that because someone at work brought literally brought that up today. That's funny. Oh, it is a small world. Will asks. I'm particularly interested in it. no, I won't do that. I'm particularly interested in your input regarding the job search hiring process. Some questions that come to mind include what sort of academic programs, certifications, or other type of formation are likely to be both fruitful and practical, how to best identify parishes, organizations, and leaders who have a vision for evangelization and discipleship rather than just maintaining the status quo, how to be as strong a candidate as possible during the hiring process, tips to make a career in this work sustainable, avoiding spiritual, personal, or financial burnout. Ooh, this is... This is a question that we could have a whole a whole, you know, a whole month of shows. Yeah, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about um, academic programs and certifications. What, what what do you think about that? Because I I have not found any like golden key there or what yeah. <laughs> silver bullet. I don't know what I was trying to yeah. say. You know, I look for I look for two things. So I don't want to be prejudicial and be like, oh, unless you're Franciscan University, your your degree is worthless. But no. Um, <laughs> but in that, what I would say is I'm looking for a blend of theology and some sort of practical pastoral ministry experience, right? Because one of the things that I've found is you can teach people theology, but when you work with people, people aren't syllogisms, right? Like, yeah. uh, I answer that, right? Like that's great for teaching a class, but it's not great for doing one-on-one -on -one ministry. And if I'm hiring people, I want their social skills, interpersonal skills, to be ranked higher than the other thing. So, for instance, um, I remember reading a review of uh, how the hiring practices of this one firm, and they pay to fly out a family, you know, the person's family, at the last stage before they hire someone, and they have a big, like, dinner celebration, get to meet and greet or a company picnic or whatever because they want to see if their personalities match and fit. And when I think about stuff like that. I would that, never get that job, ever. I would I never, know. ever get that job. Just, just well, no, maybe my family would help. My see family the back of your shirt. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, no, for me, it's like when I'm on the phone. So I did 31 at the at the end of the thing. I did 31 um, FaceTime calls, uh, Zoom sessions, all that stuff. Because I need to get a sense of their personality as, as much as possible. 
and, and that involves both theology and their ability to handle themselves pastorally. Like what happens when this? So I, I had them give talks on the Trinity, morality, personal prayer, and something else. So I could get a sample of like, how do you make this real? And how do you make this come alive in a teaching moment? Because if you can do it in a teaching moment, you can probably do it one-on-one. So th- th- that was some of the ways that I tried to see through it. Um, I look for, I don't look for master's degrees, but master's degrees show me that someone is super invested. Um, the certifications from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, I think are very important yeah, yeah, in our modern like age. Right. Yeah, because you can navigate uh, sexual morality, uh, medical morality. This is stuff that's very important now at as euthanasia, abortion, um, and all sorts of sexual libertine things become the norm. Yeah, I, so I, I like your answer because I, I have not found an academic program that I can say like, oh, I always hire somebody from there or something like that. I normally try to try to look for exactly what you said, a degree in theology from a, a university that I know is teaching orthodox theology. That that's a big thing for me, and then some sort of see. I I, I do look for some kind of ministry, but I want to know in particular: is it a ministry that stretched you? Which is why, and you've heard me say this a million times. I really like to hire net alumni, and here's why: because they live in a van for a year with like twelve other individuals, and you kind of have to grow up. Like mm. socially, you kind of just have to grow up there. And so I think that that is a big deal for a lot of people. So I look for something like that. I love what Gomer said about the National Bioethics Center, like uh, theology of the body certifications. Those kind of things are, to me, going to be big highlights there. As far as programs, you know, I want a good theology or or catechetics too, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then when I... I'm interviewing people, you know, questions I ask are, you know, what is your understanding of evangelization? What does discipleship Mm -hmm. mean to you? What does it mean to have a personal prayer life while doing an apostolate full-time at a parish, right? Questions about careerism, right? A lot of that stuff comes up in maybe not a formal job interview, but conversations uh, that take place around it. And lastly, I would say you can only hire a strong candidate from the pool that you have. Uh, and so you want to get as many people as possible. So posting it in as many places where especially their vision is what you share, um, posting it somehow, getting the word out. You know, they talk about in uh, Who Moved My Cheese or What Color Is Your Parachute, one of those. They talk about, like, if you're looking for a job and you just send a resume, well, so did a thousand other people. Yeah. Come up with a creative way. Find out if the boss likes Baroque paintings and send them one with your resume attached to the back or something like that. Like, you got to do something that gets you noticed. Well, the same is true for HR trying to find people. Like, so what I do is I try to think of creative people like, oh, look, you're a bunch of life team missionaries who get youth ministry. I'm going to send the job description there. Yeah. Uh, You're a bunch of Franciscan graduate students who are getting it in uh, getting the class in the new evangelization. I'm going to send it there. Your focus, Fellowship of Catholic University students, net, like I'm going to target these organizations because I believe they're the type of mission and vision that I want, right? Yeah, and I I think it's like kind of important to remember if you're applying for one of these positions, particularly if it's like youth ministry, I can't tell you how many youth ministers have said to me like when I've said like, why do you want to do the job? Where they started out with a joke by saying like, 
playing video games and eating pizza with kids all week, why wouldn't I want to do this? You know? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure that there are some people who have a good enough sense of humor to think like, Oh, that's funny. But it, that one, that didn't work on me at all. You know, yeah, I, I you immediately was like, humor. <laughs> I immediately was like, you're out of here. Sorry. <laughs> and also you're failing in life. No, I'm just kidding. But there, the, the, the next part of your question is much more difficult, right? Tips to make a career in this work sustainable, avoiding spiritual, personal, or financial burnout. We have an episode that answered a lot of that. Mm-hmm. What I will say is have the hard conversations early on with pastors, with bosses, with your, uh, with spouses, right? Have those hard conversations early on about how much you should be working versus how much you should be home, all those kinds of things. Uh, the sooner you get to that point, the better. And uh, I was just talking with a friend last night who was, he, he had just brought a, a group of kids back from one of the Steubenville conferences. And he was saying, he asked me, how old is Steve Angrisano? You know, and I was like, I don't know, but the very first retreat I ever went on when I was in sixth grade, he was the speaker. And I remember <laughs> him being old, that, like older then, you know, and he was like, wow, it's amazing that he was able to make a life in the church. There are people who like this is their calling. They're able to strike that balance and they're able to spend their whole life in this if you find it. And it's such a rewarding. I wouldn't even, I hate to even say rewarding. Like when I when I work for the church, I I literally leave thinking, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go home and rest and get back involved in the battle. Like it's so much more than just rewarding, you know. And I think if you can make it work, then that is it's an yeah. it's a great place to be, you know. Now, uh, other things I would say if you are if you are looking for this kind of work, don't just say I'm gonna go work for my local parish. Don't do that. Yeah. The par- where you're going to work when you work for the church is just as important as discerning what kind of work you want to do. It's a par- it's a totally different discernment. Working for the local parish sounds nice on paper is often very soul crushing in person in reality. It really is. Yeah. And so if you are looking for um if you're looking for a place that like ignites your already burning Catholic desires, right? Um, maybe you send your resumes to places that align with that vision, right? You know, you send your you check Ascension Press's website, go to Word on Fire, check Catholic out jobs. You know, stuck, huh? Yeah, yeah, but but just looking at general job boards, um, even something like Catholic Jobs, where I found um, you know a lot of excellent candidates. I would also say that you should look for those organizations that you want to work for. Maybe you don't want to do face-to-face or um, do the ministry upfront work. Maybe you're an HR person, right? right? So, for instance, my buddy over uh, the Joseph Summers, um, they're hiring at the Family Missions Company, right? These are people who send families into missions. That might be a place where you would say, okay, I'm going to go on their job board. They're hiring some non-ministry things like bookkeepers and whatnot. I'm going to go check that out. So that that could be something that you do, right? So here's how I would say quickly to avoid make work sustainable. If you get yourself into a situation, like let's say you work at a parish and all of a sudden it is not life-giving, the way you make your life sustainable is by going to a different parish to be fed and you go to that parish to work. And you're working so that those who maybe they're not being fed can be fed, okay? That's number one, avoiding spiritual burnout. Um, in your work week, whoever your boss is, or if you're the boss, put in time for prayer, mass, liturgy, put that into the schedule. It doesn't have to be every day. It's nice if it is, doesn't have to be. We do a, uh, holy half hour as a staff for our, just my department. 
Thursdays, we sit before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, you have uh, different things like that along those lines that you should put in there. Uh, I would say during the day, if you can do morning prayer, if you can do end of the day prayer, if you pray before meetings, you're starting to saturate yourself in prayer that it doesn't feel like my spiritual life is also me clocking in. Um, lastly, pers- or personal and financial. Personal, you need to have clear boundaries. I tell all my employees at 4.30, if you get an email, you do not have to answer it until 9 a.m. If it's from me, if it's from anyone, you shut off, you go home, you're home. Unless you get a text from me, then their hair is on fire, you call me back. Uh, so carving out, I literally have parishioners who say, oh, don't email Gormley, it's the weekend. You won't get it till Monday. Right, that's awesome. That makes me happy. Yeah. Lastly, financial, get that, get that retirement, son. Get that retirement in order. <laughs> get that retirement in order is his answer to you. Yeah, uh, financial burnout uh, is always going to be an issue. What we'll see, I think, moving in the future is that the church is going to hire higher quality employees and realize that they have to pay them more. Uh, but for right now, think about what you actually need. And think about side hustles and how you can uh, fulfill what your family needs are while doing that. Because financial burnout is, in my opinion, the number one or two reason for people leaving uh, yeah. the church work. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sit down with sober judgment. Do the Dave Ramsey thing. Figure out what it means to have financial peace for your family, for yourself, and then work it, work it, work it. Um, yeah, Dave, I think that's the show. Is that the show? We did it. We, we did, did it. it. We finished we another it. show. We did it. Now we have one more week before we record another one. Or a week and a half just to panic everyone at Ascension who has to deal with our Oh, late, man. Late we are the worst. We are the worst. Dave, I haven't listened to today's episode or yesterday's episode. Was it good? I, I don't know. I don't listen to our episodes. I can never listen. I hate li- listening to myself. Dave, literally, I have people at my work who don't listen to Every Knee Shall Bow unless it's just you. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. I don't believe no, that. No, you first. did that top 10 Can- spiritual warfare one, <laughs> and then you did one like how to avoid burnout or something. You literally did it on that topic, and my boss the next day was like, or uh, my coworker the next day was like, oh, did you hear Dave's thing? And I was like, yeah, it was great. <laughs> the guy's pure magic. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, God bless y'all. Stay classy. God bless. Bye. <laughs>